This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. In his popular book, American Nations, award-winning journalist Colin Woodard argued for the existence of 11 separate stateless nations within the United States where rival cultures explain history, identity, and voting behaviors. With his new book, Union, The Struggle to Forge a Story of United States Nationhood, Woodard expands on a theme for nations, how the cherished idea of a unified country has ignored the basic facts of our history. In this fascinating study of a fractured America, he examines how the myth of our national unity was created and fought over by five men, George Bancroft, William Gilmore Sims, Frederick Douglass, Woodrow Wilson, and Frederick Jackson Turner, and how it continues to affect us today. Colin Woodard is a New York Times bestselling writer, historian, and journalist who has reported from more than 50 foreign countries and six continents. A longtime foreign correspondent for the Christian Science Monitor and the San Francisco Chronicle, he's a reporter at the Portland Press Herald, where he received a 2012 George Polk Award and was a finalist for the 2016 Pulitzer Prize. His work has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, The Economist, Smithsonian, and Politico. He's the author of American Nations, American Character, The Lobster Coast, The Republic of Pirates, and Ocean's End. Makes his home in beautiful Maine. Colin Woodard joins me now here on Speaking of Writers. Colin, welcome to this program. Thanks. My pleasure. So, first off, what gave you the idea to write this book, Union? Well, I was uh, studying... uh Balkan and East European history in university uh, back at the end of the 80s. My junior year abroad was in Budapest in the fall of 1989. So I arrived uh, under communism and I left and it wasn't there and had seen uh, many of the events of that uh, incredible fall uh, firsthand. And then I spent most of the 1990s, most of my 20s, seeing what was going to happen there uh, as a as a journalist and a foreign correspondent covering the region. Uh, and that boiled down to, you know, things descended into uh, ethnic wars and, and the pathologies of nationalism and the collapse of one set of tyrannies and the rise of another. Um, but behind it all was the, the um, understanding by all the people in that region that the lines on the map that you saw were not the ones that really mattered, that there were cultural fissures between former empires, you know, the Ottomans and the Habsburgs and the German Empire and the Russians, that, uh, that transcended the importance of the existing boundaries. So knowing all that and covering all of that conflict and pathos, when I came back to North America afterwards and started living in different regions of the country, far from New England and New York, um, I started realizing that the same was true in North America, that there, even within states, there were these cultural fissures between areas that had been settled by different colonization projects with completely different attitudes about everything from, you know, politics to the uh, position of, you know, the, the relative uh, balance of church and state, of individual liberty and the common good, and all the rest. And over uh, a decade of writing about different aspects of American history and thinking about and traveling through the uh, United States and, and Canada, I ended up writing this book on American regionalism, 
sort of creating the, the grand unified picture of where, what our regional cultures really are, the borders between them and why, and the different characteristics that each of them uh, have had that go all the way back to the early parts of the colonial period and the differences between the different colonial projects that had formed in the eastern and southwestern rims of what's now the United States. Colin Woodard is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. His new book is Union, The Struggle to Forge the Story of United States Nationhood. So, Colin, where did the narrative of United States Nationhood come from? Right. If we had always been several Americas, not one, where did the idea that we were one peoples, one country with a shared, you know, uh, purpose and origin story and, uh, and all of that come from? Because clearly it happened. And so I was very interested to find out how it happened, who came up with these stories, how did they succeed? What influenced them to develop what they did? And so Union is told through the lives and the colliding lives of the people who fought over what this, by necessity, created, you know, constructed story of, of United States' nationhood and identity and, and purpose was going to be. And uh, doing it that way allows you, you know, ideas are incredibly powerful things, the most powerful things you know, that, that affect human societies, but they're abstract. But they don't come from nowhere. They come from people and, and people's lives and their upbringing and who their friends were and their enemies and their experiences. And it's through the people's lives and all of those things that you can truly understand how we received the American story we did and how it was contested and why. And, and the echoes of all of those things are still with us today in a really profound way. So it's a it's, um, I think, a really important story for understanding our country and even our, our current political moment. In this book, Union, you identify five key historical figures. Let's start with George Bancroft. Right. Bancroft is the person who first uh, came up with the packaged uh, American national story in the 1830s. I mean, before that, people weren't sure what the United States was. You know, we had a constitution, but if you ask people, what country are you from? People would say, I'm a Massachusettsian, I'm a South Carolinian. And what exactly the U.S. was to be wasn't clear. I mean, it's clear that differences about that led to a civil war even. And that was just how, um, how big the vacuum was in people's understanding of how these separate regions and places, which each had their own settlement history and background, could possibly share a future going forward. And Bancroft, who was a New Englander, he was from Worcester, and he was a son of a congregational minister, descendant of early Puritans, went to Phillips Exeter in Harvard, and then was sent to Germany to study as a young man to get a, a rare thing, a doctoral degree, which could only be gotten in Germany, essentially. Um, and he studied under the German uh, romantic thinkers who were devising European nationalism. And he came back in the uh, 1820s and ultimately started writing what would be a 10-volume history of the United States, our first real history. And it was really a prehistory of the United States because it took him 70 years to write these 10 volumes, and they only covered up to about the 1790s by the end of it. But what he said in it, he gave the United States a mythic story, and the story was that we may not share a past, but we share the ide ideals in the Declaration of Independence about being committed to the idea that uh, humans are, are inherently uh, equal and that have certain unalienable rights, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, consensual self-government, and that in his version of things that God had tasked the American people 
to do this, that we had a special and chosen mission in the world, that perhaps, you know, the divine will had interceded when Thomas Jefferson wrote those words or when the Constitution was created. In other words, the idea, like the Puritans, that we were a chosen nation. And that all comes from him. He's forgotten today, but he was the most, you know, uh, eminent and influential historian and a major statesman of the 19th century. What about William Gilmore Sims? He was the counterpoint. So one of the things that I discovered early on is that this story, which will sound broadly familiar, that story about us being devoted to ideals, a civic national story, was contested almost immediately by one of Bancroft's peers. Sims, like Bancroft, is largely forgotten today, but he was the leading man of letters of the antebellum South and of the Confederacy, a novelist whose works were read all across the United States and was a bestseller and very famous in his time. And he countered Bancroft very quickly and said, no, all of that is wrong. Thomas Jefferson was wrong when he wrote those things. Humans are clearly not created equal. There's that uh, humans are a hierarchy of peoples. Um, based on their, you know, genetics and essentially what we would call race, and that what America really is, is the homeland or perhaps the separate homelands of the allegedly superior Anglo-Saxon race, and that only this group of people were capable of self-government, and that other peoples were destined for tutelage or, or slavery. In fact, you know, America modeled on classical republicanism under the republics of ancient Greece and Rome, which were slave states where a small minority of people had the liberty or privilege to practice democracy, and servitude and slavery was the norm elsewhere. So the entirely different vision, and these two visions are the two epic visions that collide and fight through the course of this nearly century-long story of the, the battle over what the United States was to be. The next two names, familiar names, more familiar names, Frederick Douglass and Woodrow Wilson. Douglas is the key and pivotal figure because he, uh, you know, he's a, a fugitive slave who uh, escaped from Maryland and was discovered by the abolitionists working as a day laborer in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And they discovered that this escaped slave had an incredible firsthand story to tell about slavery, but also that he was an incredibly gifted orator and it turned out writer as well. And he, they took him and put him on their speaker circuit, and he quickly rose, you know, broke from them and became a massive national and international celebrity. And he used his powerful voice and pen to argue that that civic national vision that Bancroft had put together about America being about ideals, that he knew, unlike Bancroft, that we hadn't achieved those ideals, that there was no certainty that we would. You know, he knew firsthand that we hadn't done so. And, uh, you know, you couldn't just wait around for God to decide that everything would unfold according to some plan. He was exhorting Americans to, um, to overcome their hypocrisies and to achieve these great ideals, to fight for them. And he lived not only through the Civil War period and Reconstruction, but the collapse of Reconstruction under a violent terrorist campaign by the Ku Klux Klan and others to reverse successfully reverse uh, African-American political emancipation in the former Confederacy. And through all these tragedies, he wrote some of the most brilliant speeches and takes describing what the United States should be in these ideal terms that have been put together. And the fifth name, Frederick Jackson Turner. Yeah, so Frederick Jackson Turner and Woodrow Wilson, were the other two characters, were both contemporaries. Um, Wilson, if it said that the South lost the war and but won the peace, he is the crowning figure in the South winning the peace. 
in that he uh, went, he was from the Deep South. He was raised in Augusta, Georgia, and Columbia, South Carolina, as a boy in the Civil War, and then uh, in the, in the ruins of, of Columbia after Sherman had burned it uh, as a, as an adolescent. And he was the son of a you know prominent white supremacist uh, you know preacher in the Confederate Church, the Pre- uh, Presbyterian Church. And uh, and wrote and was was very much a believer in this white supremacist vision, uh, and he wrote them in his academic books and his well known history of the United States of his own, and enacted policies including the segregation of the federal government along those lines in office. And his friend Frederick Jackson Turner took a very different approach. He sort of took the civic national vision, and he gave us these ideas that somehow it was the Western frontier that made us Americans. Turner was not from the East Coast like all these other people. He was from Wisconsin, uh, and he grew up during the Civil War at a time when his part of Wisconsin was the frontier. And he believed that what made Americans Americans was when settlers went over the Appalachian Mountains and wound up in in the Midwest and Far West that he considered sort of an Eden, that they were so far from Europe and from the European tainted uh, parts of of the East Coast, they had finally been able to return to their state of nature, and out there in uh, in the Midwest would discover their you know their 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 uncanny ability for self government and and civic life, and that that made them Americans and and made them homogeneously become Americans that they adapted to that environment, and that notion that the frontier made Americans who they are, essentially comes from Turner even though Turner himself quickly realized that the data didn't support it, and that, in fact, the regional differences that I talk about in American nations were much more determinative of what happened uh, to settlers when they came to the Midwest. The book is Union, the Struggle to Forge the Story of United States Nationhood. Colin Woodard is the author. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you. It was a great pleasure. And this is Speaking of Writers, and that is Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another edition. I'm Steve Richards.